Music fans, thank you so much for being here with us at the Song Facts Podcast. No matter where you are, we want you to know that you are appreciated. Um, the Song Facts Podcast is proudly working hand-in-hand with the Pantheon Music Network, which is a series of podcasts. If you love music and you love podcasts, you've got to go to pantheonpodcast.com and check it out. Um, also, songfacts.com. We work hand-in-hand with this website. A lot of the people that you're going to be hearing us talk to are going to have entries on there as well, so you can go take an even deeper dive into them and their music. Today, guys, we've got such an amazing guest for you, Eric Victorino of the band Strata, and the act The Limousines is going to be talking with us about so many different topics. He's in his home in San Jose, um, having a cup of coffee, watching the wildfires close in around him and his family, and there's a lot of very, very deep, introspective conversation ahead for you, and some really great music, too. Eric is not afraid to shine a light on where he's coming from when he puts his songs together, and it is really, really great stuff. So stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy Eric Victorino. Eric Victorino, Strata, and um, the Limousines. What what else you got going on project wise? You doing some solo stuff? Um, I made a solo record a couple years ago, and then I just kind of, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do the typical uh, like promotion, the proper promotion of it. I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't feeling super confident about it, so I sort of just let it, I let it expire and disappear off streaming services. And then a friend of mine who owns a label in New York uh, was looking for it. He's like, hey, man, I, I love that record. I can't find it anywhere. And I said, yeah, I just let it die, let it disappear. And then he decided that he wants to put it out on his on a, a label that he's got going. Yeah. So that album's going to come out again in like a new form on a, a label called Brooklyn Blue. Okay. So it'll come out. I mean, I hadn't listened to any of it for a little while. Not, and the other day I... I checked it out again. Some, there's some magic in there. Did you, so the song that you had, one of the songs that you had sent me was Hope. That came off of that? Yeah. And I was curious about that. That, that. that was interesting to me because it, I was wondering if you've been revisiting that song. And then it led me to think, have you been revisiting any songs similar? Because we're all kind of looking for that beacon of hope right now. Yeah, I haven't really been, I haven't been using music um, as, as like as emotionally as I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was younger, I would, I would dive, I would kind of hide it in music. I would like kind of try to use it as an escape the way probably most people do. Um, and lately I haven't really been revisiting anything. There's certain songs that give me comfort, I guess. Um, and basically any Radiohead song is going to comfort me. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's hard right now, but I consider myself to be kind of an uh, informed or at least obsessed news obsessed person. So as far as like the whole situation that our country's in and that the, the entire world's in right now, yeah, I'm not getting comfort from much. <laughs> to be honest. No, no, it's, that's, that's a really interesting thing. But I mean, what's interesting about this hope song is stark contrast to what you just released with the band Strata. So around the bend, um, it comes off as this anthemic warning call, in my opinion, about our current times and even poses the question, is this the end? And I'm just wondering, was that a feeling that you had in a moment of time? Or was that something that, um, you know, you, you were truly questioning? Uh, that's, that's been a question on my mind for at least the last five years. I think I've had a, a, a sense that things are going downhill. Um, My anxiety used to focus on on myself. I think I used to get depression from my anxiety, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think part of getting better was learning just to to take take the blame off of myself. Um, and so, yeah, I focus a lot on global anxiety, not personal anxiety so much. And around the bend was written in December of last year, so it was before the pandemic hit, and we talked as a band about lyrically like the concept of it. Um, and I would tell the guys, like, I just have a really bad feeling. Like I want to write about this, this really bad feeling I have of like, something's going to get way worse before it gets better around here. Hmm. And I didn't, I didn't know, like, I can't say like, Oh, I knew it was going to be a pandemic, but I definitely had the feeling like something, some really bad shit was coming. Um, so yeah, around the bend, that question, is this the end? Like, I'm ask, I'm really asking that question. Yeah. It's not, there's nothing, uh, <laughs> there's no metaphor there. That's just an actual question. Well, and you guys do a, a really great breakdown. And anybody who's listening and, and who's a fan, and even if you're not, you got to go check it out. Because I just love when when lyricists and, and bands get together and they they talk about this and they talk about the formation of it and everything. And you guys had your moment at the airport where you kissed goodbye. And then he had uh, <laughs> he laid down this track for you and you had the music. And then I can't remember exactly the scenario, but essentially he had gotten through security or something like that. And then had a yeah. recording text from you and you had already spit out some of these lyrics and the melody and everything like that. Was did that just pour out of you? It was weird. Um, I can usually tell like Ryan just spits out song ideas constantly. He has hundreds of them. And so he'll, He'll give me a folder sometimes that I put on the USB stick and then I put that in my car stereo so that when I'm driving around, these instrumentals are just always on mm-hmm. and I can grab my phone and just hit the voice notes. And if the music's loud enough and I'm singing loud enough, you kind of get this like, you know, decent mix. Like it's a demo mix where I can actually hear what I'm, what I'm trying out. If I mess up, I just sit reverse and start over and just like, so I, I had dropped Ryan off and it was probably about a half hour of um 
already had this melody in my head. It happened to just, just plop perfectly on there. I had to adjust the timing of it. And, but yeah, like before he was even on the plane, he was getting this like, okay, here's the verse and leading into the chorus of this new song you showed me a half an hour ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's strange how that happens sometimes. There's this, um, there's this great pre-chorus and then I don't even know what you would call it, whether it's the bridge or not, but there's a part later in the song where it's, it's just this, it just unleashes this barrage of lyrics. It just gets really high energy and it just um, it's, it kind of takes me back to what you were talking about before with this anxiety feeling that you might have been having and this this thought that yeah. you were worrying about something coming around the bend. And it was, it was almost like you were just shouting this as a warning. Is that kind of the idea behind the, that structure of it or is that just how the lyrics came out of you? Uh, yeah, there was definitely no thought put into it and, that, and I like it that way. Um, we we had our friend lamb he's a photographer we had him in the studio with us and the whole band was there to do these kind of gang vocal backups and so we had one mic that was just in the whole room so everyone was sharing that and then i had a mic in my hand and i was just kind of curled up on the floor and i just said i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna say but i'm i'm gonna try to capture this feeling and you guys all should just at first it was like, uh, open up your phone and whatever your most recent text was, I just want you to scream that over and over again, just to get like a, a texture of noise. And And after the first take, I was like yelling about ice caps melting and politicians not giving a shit about <laughs> us. And like, we're fucked, we're going to die. And they were like, okay, see you soon. You know? So I think everyone realized like, wait a minute, like I have anxiety too. I'm scared of stuff too. Like I want to scream things that matter to me. So let's erase that take and start over. So it ends up being, you know, five people, six people times three or four takes. And I just happened to be the loudest because I had the, I was just screaming into this microphone. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, I, I don't even think now if we wanted to, we could solo each track, but each one's going to have so much in it that we won't even be able to see what we were saying. Yeah. So I, I kind of love that it's, it's buried. We kind of buried all our little secrets in that bridge, you know? And everyone got a little bit of a release too. Yeah, I mean, I, we all kind of had sore throats after that because we were all yelling. I mean, we did it for we did it for a while, and we only took a little bit of it, but it was it was therapeutic for sure. Because we all shared we all shared that feeling of like, yeah, things are things are getting crazy. Like this is weird, you know. Well, and that's that's really interesting too because one of the other things that you comment on during that breakdown is that in the past you've had other moments where friends have kind of you've got this little bit of a label. It sounds like of a Nostradamus. And um, have you prophesized anything that we can look forward to in the future? <laughs> well, I, it's not about saying I told you so, but this, um, what's happening right now with the fires. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple years ago, there were some fires up north that came out of the woods and actually made it into the city and burned down some suburbs and like actual downtown areas. Yeah. And I remember telling friends two years ago, like, this is going to happen in San Jose. If you walk around and you look at 
our neighborhoods, you can't imagine it, but that's what they thought too in Paradise, California and all these places that have burned. So I don't think it takes a genius to predict that, but yeah, if you go on my Twitter, I'm kind of a troll there. Like my wife, Shannon doesn't have Twitter, but she understands what I use it for. Um, I just use it to yell. I, I use it to yell at the president and to yell at Republicans and some Democrats all day. Um, we're very similar in that way. We should tag teams. Yeah, but if you go on, I'm just a troll. I'm a, I'm a Twitter troll. But if you, and I yell at the guy from Trapped all the time because he's a fucking, I hate him. But uh, so, but yeah, if you go on there and just look, uh, when something when something does happen, and I'm like, oh, I called this because I called the Kamala Harris and Joe Biden ticket uh, back in 2017. Wow. So stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my friends kind of, you know, if it's, if it's useless predictions on Twitter, I got you. Okay. <laughs> Actual <laughs> life find advice. A, I, I find a way to put, have Vegas put some odds on that. Um, I so I want to talk a little bit more about Strata because this has been like a band that's been around for a long time, but it's kind of phased in and phased out, but I want you to put some truth or some, um, or you can, we can take it off of Wikipedia if it's not true, but I read this great story about a tour in the mid 2000s where you guys had to cancel because you had some vocal cord issues, it sounded like. And you went to, oh, yeah, uh, you were in New York City rehabbing, um, somehow wrote the lyrics for it sounds like an entire second album in those two weeks. And then the beauty yeah. of this whole thing was this cross country road trip stopping at what was supposed to be tour sites and going bowling with fans. And I'm just, I'd love to know some more a little about that. <laughs> I feel like we were ahead of our time with a lot of that kind of connecting with fans kind of stuff, mm -hmm. because um, I feel like at that time, it was before this era of sort of like transparency where, where everyone lets the curtain fall and there's nothing dividing the, the fans and and even huge pop stars like Halsey, like, you know, Youngblood, like there's these really big time people who communicate on a daily basis with their fans directly. Like that's the way it is now. But in the early 2000s, it was still not like that yet. Um, if anything, we were almost like discouraged by our record label because that would somehow like, oh, you don't want to, you know, hang out with the fans. That's going to, uh, it's it'll kind of knock that I don't know, the third wall, whatever they, they, it'll sort of get rid of the mystique and you won't seem like a rock star. You gotta, you gotta mm. like leave it on the scene. I don't know. Their whole philosophy was, was weird. And our band has always been about like, if you like what we're doing, we have something in common right off the bat. Like yeah. we like what we're doing and so do you. So there we have a starting point. And then, and then there's only up from there. You can only, I feel like that's an analogy for, america and americans and just all of it, like a divided nation needs to come yep. together on what we have in common and so when i was i didn't get to do the bowling trip because i i was made to stay uh in new york to see a specialist so the oh, guys okay. they're like hey this is i don't want to just drive straight home no one wanted to do that so they knew they wanted to break their drive up and if they're going to break their drive up and stay the night in a few cities uh, you know they're driving all the way from new york to back to California. Um, why not make it fun? And why not still have an opportunity to see the fans who didn't get to come to a show? Uh, so yeah, they, this is back in the MySpace days. There were, it wasn't as easy. We didn't have Instagram and 
you know, Twitter and these things to connect with people, but they managed to put together basically these little bowling parties because we're all into the big Lebowski. So bowling was on our minds all the time. Back oh, then. fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so it was Lebowski inspired. Uh, and so, uh, and Harag, our bass player is an incredible bowler. So they, they would just go, you know, city to city and stretch out the drive home and get an opportunity to bowl with everybody. And at the time it was just this like controversial thing in our little corner of the industry because, you know, rock and roll bands weren't supposed to hang out with their fans unless, you know, they're drinking and fucking and like, you know, doing party stuff. Like, Especially not at a bowling It's not alley. cool to bowl. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to bowl with your fans. Like you might as well be reading books with them back then. So yeah, I, I mean, I thought that was one of the cool things that we did early on. Yeah, I think that I was that's proud a, of I mean, what a nice that. thing to do just for the fans, because obviously you can't help that what happened to you. Um, and just to, you know, do something to give something back. And it'd be nice if some more people did that. You kind of like helped me transition into this next this next little portion of this, because I want to jump into some of the work with the limousines. And you talked about how at that time. Um, we don't have the social media and, and stuff like that that we did. So it was harder to get the word out. And I'm wondering, jumping into what might be the most popular song that you've you've penned is the Internet Killed the Video Star. that kind of thought process of how you connected with people um, versus how you started connecting with people when you were writing that, if that kind of came to be because of something like that, the, the inability to be able to do that, like using MySpace, obviously you guys probably had a pretty good following, but by the time you were writing that, it was, I would imagine 08, 09, and you've got Twitter, Facebook's really blowing up and stuff like that. And I'm kind of curious mm -hmm. if that was that kind of preface that song a little bit. Um, I, whenever I think about Internet Kill the Video Star, I think of it as it's a twin song with very busy people, which is probably strange because it doesn't seem like they're related, but they're, they're both, in my opinion, they're both a pretty decent snapshot of what it felt like to be uh, beginning a new decade, um, mm -hmm. that particular new decade where... Um, the, where suddenly your little media universe that you're the center of was was a new thing and how it applied to uh, bands and artists was confusing to me um, I don't think I'm the most modest person in the world but I'm definitely not super comfortable with begging for attention constantly yeah uh, so so the 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 image of the rock star being this untouchable god on a stage versus the idea of you know imagining like i wrote an essay at that same time as uh, internet killed the video star and it was imagining the beatles in the studio but they all have iphones and they all have social media and they're really trying to get team. some work done like imagining what it's like right like i know what it's like right now for bands in a studio trying to write and it's not four or five people all 
collaborating and working together, it's four or five people all begging each other, like, put your phone down, like, let's just focus on this for a second. And I feel, and I imagined, you know, John, Paul, Ringo, and George all like fucking around on Instagram and Twitter instead of like working on their harmonies or figuring out that middle eight, you know, <laughs> and their so producer funny. getting upset. And like just the way things, the way things have uh, changed and democratized, you know, the media. Um, so, so very busy people was about being stuck on this feeling that, that what you're doing is really important. Like, I got to check these, uh, my likes on this post, or I got to respond to this comment or what you're doing is not important. It's important to you because you're addicted to these little moments of like new information popping in and like you're addicted to the attention or whatever it is. Yep. Um, I, I feel like the, the way that applies to internet kill the video stars, like I came from, the very last period of rock and roll bands that like, fuck it, man, let's get in a van. Let's go play some dirty ass clubs to 50 people a night. And let's do that for years and build a following Mm -hmm. to what was already happening with the limousines. By the time I wrote that song, which was, I didn't even know this fucking guy. He sent me some music and I sang on it. We put it on MySpace and I made up a name for the band. All of a sudden there's people paying attention to us. um, Because what we were doing was, I would, I would record a little bit and then I would just, without even telling them, without sending it to Geo, I would put it on MySpace and make it downloadable. So he would hear my version of the song we're working on for the first time, this, <laughs> the same time as a few uh, like limos fans, like brand new limos. I remember the very first fan of the limousines, the first person who was not a person I was friends with that liked that band. The very first person was Harag from Strata, which was cool, but the first person <laughs> I did not know was this girl named Kayla and it was crazy like hey Gio we have a fan like he's like that's cool are we a band and I'm like no we're not but like you know we have a person who's like actively into this this group that we formed yeah so yeah I mean the, the fact that like you had Sirius uh, Alt Nation and you had our radio station here in San Francisco both downloading stuff off our MySpace and putting it on the radio when we weren't even a band. Like those two things, Strata was still in my head. I had, you know, I had left, but not because I didn't like those guys. I just didn't like that part of the business. Mm-hmm. And I left that, I left that band because I didn't want to be in a band anymore. I wanted to just have a regular life at home and make music with some dude on the computer. And then they both ended up kind of becoming, you know, the same thing. I don't know. I'm sometimes I'm bad with interviews because I, I forget what the question was and I just start fucking going. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Get your song facts back. 
No, I mean, I think that you stayed really within the realm, but it, it's, it's really great because we're pretty much in the same mindset here because I do have this thought of, I feel like this is something that you're really good at when you really dive into your lyrics. And it's something that great comedians, great lyricists, in my opinion, are really good at. And that is you can bring ideas that might be in someone like me or a fan or anybody's subconscious to the surface by being able to, you don't, you don't just realize them, but you articulate them um, just by the way, just by putting it down on, on paper. And I'm wondering like, how do these songs, how do these ideas go from, cause I wouldn't realize that internet killed the video star until you told me that. But I'm curious how that goes from that idea to this song. And if you can explain that at all, or if that's just something that just kind of, you can't really understand how that manifests. Well, um, at the time that song was written back to, you know, internet killer video. So I'm trying to focus is, um, I had spent my life in rock bands and I was noticing the, I mean, the, so Sonny, Sonny Moore, who became Skrillex, right? Yep. He was, he was the middle act on a three band tour, which was the last Strata tour that we did in 2007, uh, December of 2007. And I remember watching that kid go from just being a dude in a band to quitting his band, being a solo artist, and then becoming an electronic, like an EDM superstar. Yeah. And for me, it, you know, it has always been weird to see, you know, four or five guys on a stage sweating it out versus one guy standing on a stage pushing a space bar and a light show and millions of people being into it. Yeah. So when the kids are disco dancing, they're tired of rock and roll. Like that was my observation at that particular time was like, you know, maybe it was okay to be honest, to be two people neither of which can really play their instruments. Like I, I'm a shitty guitar player and Gio's good at what he does, but he, he's a studio guy. Like he creates, sometimes he doesn't remember how he played something and he doesn't care because he's not a live musician. Yeah. He's just like, I want to get it in there. I want it to sound good. And then I don't care how I made it. Put it on the hard awesome, drive. But just do it. And that was, I was trying to illustrate that feeling of, of like, maybe the mythology and the and the like the rules don't matter you know with music and with rock and with genres in general uh, you know let's test this prophetic uh mindset a little bit what's going to kill the internet star i think you're seeing it um that same that's that same evening out where sure there's always going to be very famous people yeah. But I think this generation right now, this generation growing up, um, people who have never known a world without uh, social media, I think they, I, I can guarantee you that people think of Billie Eilish, a 17 year old right now thinks of Billie Eilish in a different way than a 17 year old in the late 70, 70s thought about like Robert Plant. Right? Like, I don't know. I can't be in both brains at the same time and understand what the difference is, but I, it has to be different, you know, because it's not about propping up a mythology about people being bigger than themselves. It's, it's almost about these artists saying like, yeah, I'm really good at what I do, but I'm a regular person with regular problems and I struggle with 
all the same issues that you do. Yeah. So I think this, I think the idea of a star is, is dying, which is probably not a bad thing. I'm curious if it's weird to you that those were roughly a decade ago. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's really, it's really strange. I mean, I think about what I've, like how quickly it goes. Um, I remember so clearly, especially digging through these old files recently of like strata music that we did literally 20 years ago. Yeah. And how, how crazy it was that, you know, get sharp. The, the limos album was 10 years ago. Yeah. And it just, it just flies by. It's, it's nuts. And like to think that if I did this for the rest of my life until literally the day I died, I, I might only crank out another six albums or something. That's weird. It's strange to think about it that way. Yeah, I can see that. I've, there was So you did an interview with Song Facts back in, I think it was like 2013. And I went back and I was reading through that. Just obviously didn't want to try not to overlap any questions. But um, I found this great quote that you had, and it had to do with very busy people. Um, and I was just wondering, you said, but now we're all in our own little control towers doing all this work with this information. None of it is as, is as important as it seems. And I can personally say that my phone addiction has gotten exponentially worse since 2013. And I'm wondering what are the good and bad things that the fact that we're all these air traffic controllers that you once spoke of now? Yeah, I think that, I think that our anxiety levels are probably all raised a little bit because Definitely. We all hear every, every scary noise now, you know, if imagine it's a dark night in the woods and you're in a tent and you hear some crack of a a branch, you know, a twig cracking and you think a bear is coming. And so you hear that noise and you get scared. And then imagine everyone hearing the same noise at the same time and everyone getting scared Mm -hmm. in the whole world all at the same time. And I feel like that's what happens with, us all being on our phones all the time is and this is a good example i can but since we started talking the smell of smoke has like crept into my house it's i haven't smelled it as much um and, but now it's like the air is getting thick out this window and you know there's fires approaching and we're all looking at our phones to see you know do we evacuate like what's going to happen and we're all connected in these emergencies yeah um I think that's in a way it's a good thing that we're all sharing, we're sharing grief and we're sharing fear all at the same time. Yeah. I think that can be really good, but it can also be bad if it's, you know, weaponized by somebody, (laughs) but it was, it was weird to think 10 years ago. um, When I was writing about this, I I really felt like I was explaining how I thought it was going to be. Or maybe I was observing how I thought it already was, but, I didn't look at it as necessarily I was making predictions, yeah. but, um, but at the, it's crazy how much it's just completely normal now to, to be uh, the person that I was describing in very busy people, the, the air traffic controller with all this important information pouring in at all times of the day yeah and how much just it's that has happened it's exponential now well know? it's a great metaphor i think that a lot of people wouldn't even think about that but that's obviously a really intense job when you when you think of air traffic control you're like that person punches in and it's eight hours of just 
I'm looking at everything Life that's going death. on. Exactly. And I've got all these hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people's lives in my hand in one shift. And we're kind of like that. I mean, somebody can write a poor headline and it can have this huge ripple effect of, right. of just people that will read it, react to it. And that can all happen in the matter of five to 10 minutes these days. And it's, it's, it makes it really, really strange times. It's so easy to think that this is a, like, it's like, oh, obviously it's a bad thing if people put so much of their sense of self-worth into like their social media standing, their clout and everything. But it's sometimes, maybe it serves us well to think about the possibility that for people who don't have anything else, like at least they have something, at least even if this is all they have, it's good that they have it, I guess. Yeah you know um depends on if it tortures them or not they, you know? they should probably they should probably take up like hiking or something <laughs> that doesn't involve a phone but if that's all they have it's like who am i to shit on it you know i completely agree um i want to jump into these um three questions i don't know if you read through the ones that i i sent because i gave you two of them um but they're kind of questions to make you think a little bit that i'm asking I'm, two of these I'm asking everybody. The third one is um, changes from, from person to person. And I thought of it while we were talking. But the first one is, if you had to listen to one band the rest of your life, which one would it be? Yeah, I I did read the uh, the question when you sent it to me. And my my instant answer is Radiohead. because they're so important to me growing up. But um, when I, when I imagine listening to only, it's hard to answer the question because when I imagine only being able to listen to one band for the rest of my life, I instantly go straight to like, but I'm going to hate them. <laughs> like if I know that's all, even no matter how much I love it, if I have to only listen to it, I'm going to hate it. Yeah. So I found myself in this, it's like a conundrum because <laughs> If you love them enough to say, yes, that's the band you want to listen to for the rest of your life, you're also dooming them to being like the only band you hate, right? Because you're stuck. And I just, I can't do that to Radiohead. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hope it, I, I, so if normally if someone answers that question with, I don't know, I think it's because they're probably lazy. I'm saying, I don't know, because I've thought about it so much that I've realized there is not an answer. Well, and I like that because, because I don't, I don't wanna. nobody's given me, I've always gotten an answer. And I've been asking this question. This has been my first date question for years. And I've just right. never, um, I've never gotten this well thought of, well thought out of a reason. And that makes complete sense to me. <laughs> I'm fearful now that more yeah, people are going to hear this and then they're going to like, be like, no, I'm going to give Eric's answer. <laughs> I'm going to do what he's saying. But, but, but yeah, like, if you just picked a band out of a hat like a that I've never even heard before, I can guarantee you that I'll fall in love with that music. Yeah. And then when I get tired of it and I know I can't listen to anything else, I'm going to hate it. So there's no right answer. I think. It's one of those things that's really true. The more that I think about it, it's not really a fair question if you look at it in the light that you put it on because you appreciate that band because it's something you can always go back to. And if you mm -hmm. can't go away from it, 
that appreciation is going to dwindle over time. So uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. It makes me nervous about my next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. Um, what's one Go for it. that uh, you wish you would have written? Um, I thought about this a lot too. I was really, I was, I usually, again, go to Radiohead with that, with that question. Um, because they're so, they're, I mean, I, I can't even, that whole album to me, okay. Computer is like the best, the most perfect album ever made. Yeah. There's so many songs on there that I wish I wrote, I guess, but I hate to do this to you, but any song that I can answer that question with and say, I wish I wrote that it would suddenly take it to this place where like any song that I listen to that I did write, I can hear it a million times. And every single time I hear it, something will pop up that I wish I could have done better. Yeah. Like every rhyme, I think like, damn it could have been, it could have said this instead or like I'm super critical of it. That's so I did think about your question a lot. And what I came to was, the same as the first answer. If I take a song that I love by another artist and I imagine that I wish that I wrote it, then suddenly I'd start critiquing it. That's true. And I would probably fall out of love with it. Hey, this, that's fair. That's what happens when you uh, ask, ask these types of questions to someone who is Cause, willing cause, to go and analyze otherwise, it. Because otherwise, the, if you're asking the question, you could just say, hey, what's a song you like? And oh, yeah. I could tell you right off the bat a million songs I like. Yeah. But you put it in that context of like, which song do you wish you wrote? Then suddenly you're telling me to imagine that I'm critical of the song that I used to just love. Yeah. No, I really like it because it's something, it's a new, I usually get a new answer because I get a new artist or someone that I haven't um, heard yet, or at least someone that helps me understand that person a little bit more. But I think that the important thing with this, with these questions is it helps somebody understand the person. And I think that it does give anybody who's listening to this a little bit deeper understanding of who you are and how you operate. And I think that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, too, as, much, too much internally, but I, but I, but my, my first actual answer before I started to really think about it uh, was still in love by the band, nothing more. They're from Texas. Um, That is a per- to me. That's a perfect. Like it does seem like I wrote it, and I am a little bit critical of it, but it's the kind of thing that like would be in a Strata song where there's this kind of despair, and it's a it's a song about love, but it's not necessarily casting love in like a good light or yeah. bad light. It's just like describing the the complexity of it. But yeah, still in love is a great fucking song. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll try and give everyone a little bit of a sample of that. All right, third one, yeah. we'll see if we can figure something out, but, but thank you for, for getting there. It took a little bit, but we got there. Um, what is the, um, I, I, would, I would go and say that you're, in my opinion, very prolific songwriter. You, you write poetry, you're a deep thinker. I imagine that putting these thoughts and stuff out on paper is, has some sort of therapeutic benefit to you. 
I'm curious from a musical standpoint as a lyricist, can you answer this? What's more important, the lyric or the melody? Um, what's more important to the success of a song is the melody, 100%. Um, and I, I feel like I know this from personal experience because I, there are songs where even with my modesty intact, I can say that's a damn good lyric. Yeah. Like world-class. I feel like I have, I have struck gold a couple times on some lyrics. I've written mm -hmm. some amazing lyrics, but I've never been super strong with melody. Uh, so a song like Stay Young from Strata. future by the limousines like I feel like I've written some lyrics that stand up to among the best um but because i'm not the best uh i'm not the best with melody that's the, that's the thing i wish i learned i wish i learned how to just be more melodic and to think more about the melody of the song yeah so i i think if you're going for success it's melody if you're going for just um pride in your um art ability to, you know, to articulate an idea then the lyric is I, I think that's because I didn't even think about that aspect of there's different angles to really look at that. And so, yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, we're going to we're going to wrap it up. But the way that I'm going to take out um, this interview and this this episode is to I'm going to use the song um, Last Dance that you sent me. And just um, what can you tell us about that song? Um, I was in a, a different relationship that I was writing about back then mm -hmm. and the people around us were asking are you are you guys okay um, these lyrics are sounds like you're broken up or something <laughs> and even even she was asked by friends like have you heard the lyrics to Eric's new stuff like <laughs> It's basically breaking up with you uh, <laughs> in a song. So it was uh, lyrically, I'm really proud of that. That uh, melody-wise, who knows? It's not a pop song, and it's not yeah. you know, it's not the biggest song in the world. But lyrically, I feel like I captured um, what it's like to to know that you're in a relationship that's over, but it just hasn't been declared dead quite yet. See, I kind of had this idea. I didn't think. The reason that um, I found it really interesting is you've got a lyric in there. My sight is gone, but I can hear the choir coming, which now makes sense now that you've explained it. But I, because I'd probably just been listening to Around the Bend, 
I found it contrast to that, that we're all kind of sitting here in this world of uncertainty. And um, maybe I'm just searching so hard for some hope that I'm reading that one line and just being like, he's telling me the choir's coming that, 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 that there's good news around the corner, but it makes sense too in the relationship status. <laughs> Usually with my lyrics, I find that if you're, if you have to ask, is this about hope or despair? It's usually despair. Um, <laughs> I like to have a little bit of ambiguity in there, but um, yeah, I, 90% of what I write is, is I say it so that I don't have to think it anymore, I guess, just yeah. kind of get it out of my head. And I have found a way, I don't know how I got better, but I have found a way of just like living better in my head and being happier with who I am. And I'm not full of despair anymore, but I am certainly full of stress and anxiety. And I feel you, I know where you're coming from. I'm looking for hope constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think everyone is. I think people on the other side of politically, like on the other side of the divide that we're living in are feeling the exact same way. They're just thinking in a language that we don't speak. And so, I love them and I hope they love uh, the rest of us. And like, I know that's my hope is yeah. that we're not as stupid as we think we are. No, no, I completely agree with that. And I, I gotta say it was just, I really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate you giving us some of your time. And I, um, I know that to, we had connected again because you felt like song facts did you justice the first time around. And I hope we did it again for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I actually, very much felt like I was talking to a friend and, you know, uh, it's hard to find new friends when you can't leave the house. Right. So it's cool to like, connect with someone and make a new connection in the world. We'll be zoom buddies. I got my coffee to cheers your wine. <laughs> Eric, have a good one and stay safe. Keep the family safe. You too. See you later. Big, huge. Thank you to Eric Victor Reno. If you like his stuff, guys, go out, listen to it. It's really amazing. He is a hell of a songwriter, and we enjoyed talking to him thoroughly. If you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us at the show. You can go to songfacts.com and find us on there, or I'm going to have a bunch of different ways to contact us right here in the show notes. And as always, if you like this, please tell a friend, write us a review. Don't be afraid to subscribe, and we can't wait to bring you the next episode. Thanks so much. Here are the limousines with Last Dance.
watch the days disappear Seven months the same as one We could take a vow, believe in Temptation's not around We could see the vultures swirling Angels in circles now We could see the lonely forage Through garbage on the ground 